So in our summer series, it's called We Came to Believe, we've learned a few things. Now, I'm going to briefly go over this series, but if you want to know more, go on the website and uh, listen to the messages for free, or if you're a CD person still for a very small price behind these doors, you can go ahead and buy a, a CD and listen to it that way. But the, the series, We Came to Believe, has all been about what we believe, because the first part of the series, we try to describe what we're going to learn throughout the entire series, is simply this. Our belief determines our behavior. If you've ever been down the road of life, driving down the road of life, and you look at the rearview mirror of life, and you go, what on earth was I thinking? Right? Could have been a boyfriend, could have been a girlfriend, could have been a financial investment, it could have been a job that you went to, could have been an addiction that you struggled with, but you looked back and you said, what was I thinking? How could I have done that? Why do I keep on going back to that? Let me tell you the reason why. The reason you and I keep on going back to those things, the reason you and I keep on hurting ourselves in those ways, the reason you and I keep on having the same friction with our relationships, it's because there's a belief system that supports it. You know why? Because your belief determines your behavior. In week two, and you can learn more about that either on the website or the CDs or whatever you like, podcast. Um, in week two, we learned that God is infinite and intimate. That God is the creator of the universe. That God knows all. That God is powerful beyond all compare. He created the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the solar system, the very air that you breathe. God did it all. But he's not only infinite, he's intimate. And he cares about the tears. That when you cry, he tastes the salt in his mouth. That when you're in pain, he bends over in hurt. That God is intimate and cares about the circumstances and the situations that you find yourself in. He cares about the loneliness and depression that you struggle with. He cares about the, the, the insecurities that you face even in your marriage. He cares about the finances that you make. And he cares about how your kids do in high school. He cares. He's infinite and he's intimate. And in part three we learned that, oh, look, there's a Pokemon. Everyone get your phone out. This is amazing. This is a rare find. Okay. All right. In part three, we learned... Because that's what you're all looking for on your phones anyway, we know. We th you think you're taking, oh, I'm taking notes, yeah, yeah, yeah. In part three, we learned that Jesus is God. That he's God. That, and some of us grew up thinking Jesus was the archangel Michael, and, and it's not true, it's not what the scriptures support. Uh, some of us think that he's, uh, uh, you know, grew up as, uh, just thinking that Jesus was a good teacher, Jesus doesn't allow that to happen. It, it, some of us think that he, um, in somehow being the son of God, is somehow lesser than God, and you just, you're thinking with the wrong cultural mindset. We went through that in detail last week. If you want to go over that, 
you can feel free to go check it out. But the reason that we go through this in the belief system is because unlike Pokemon, which is an incredible fascination, which people, my daughter told me that there was a rare Pokemon in, um, in uh, Central Park and that people ran to get this, I mean, literally left their cars running in the street, <laughs> left their cars and ran to catch this. Another girl got hit by a car, right? Did you see that? Another person, another, and it, it's, these are all girls, so I don't know what to say about this. Um, another girl walked into a lake, like just started to look, you know, look, 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 and, and stumbled into a lake. Okay, let me tell you why I bring this up. Because if you believe that that's the most important thing in life, and as fun as it is, man, if you guys are doing that stuff, go continue doing that. It sounds like a lot of fun. It really does. I was, I was almost tempted to download the app, but and then I said, no, I'm an actual guy with responsibilities. I'm an actual man. So, um, so I, I was, but I was tempted. And, I was, and if y'all are doing it, I'm just teasing. Don't get so mad. Um, but here's the point. Here's the point. That has a brief excitement to it that will last for a short period of time. But what we're learning about God in this series is more significant and more exciting than any app that you can download. It's more significant and more exciting than anything that you could possibly get excited about because it's eternal and temporary. In other words, God is infinite and he's close to us. And today we're going to learn one of the most exciting things, especially after last week we learned about Jesus being God. We're going to learn something powerful and beautiful all at the same time. It's found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. Now this is generally a Christmas psalm, so we generally cover it during Christmas. But um, today we're going to go over it because it's so cool and fluffy outside. Um, we're going to go over it. It reminds us of Christmas. Um, we're going to go over it because the Apostles' Creed speaks of um, how Jesus Christ was his only son and who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Now, as part of our uh, tradition in our church is that we stand in reverence and respect to God's word. Yeah. We'll read this together in a nice, loud, passionate voice, okay? We're going to show those Pokemon people what real excitement sounds like, okay? All right, let's do it. Count of three. One, two, three. This is how the birth of Jesus His mother Mary She was found to be because But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him.
this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is God's word. Please have a seat. Sometimes when God shows up, there's a great deal of pain and confusion that surrounds that. I know that in the world that we live in and the videos that we watch and the pastors that we see on television, many of them who are good men um, and others who are not so good, they'll say things like, if you invite Jesus into your life, everything will be great. Everything will be wonderful. And that's not been my story. Um, Sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it gets rough. But God is committed to you. God is committed to pursuing you in the rough times, in the good times. God is not just worthy to be praised when the raises come in, when the girl says yes to the proposal. God is not just worthy to be praised when Mr. Wright walks into your arms. God is not just worthy to be praised when you lose the weight, when you get the raise, when you have all these things that you find delightful. God is not just worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised at every moment of every day. God, in the Holy Spirit, came and uh, conceived Christ in Mary's womb. Well, you must know that this turned Mary's life upside down. It flipped her life over. She was never to be seen the same way again by her society. We honor and respect Mary now. But Mary was talked about and gossiped about. She was reviled. I don't know if you know this, but you didn't need science at that time to tell you that there's only one way a woman gets pregnant. Only one. And this was such a shocking piece of news that she was pregnant, that her, that her fiancé, let me just talk about that for a second. The reason it says that her husband was going to divorce her uh, quietly was because when you were um, engaged to be married in that culture, it was as good as marriage. It was a bonding agreement. In other words, your families had uh, agreed. Generally, the men were about 18 years old, and generally the girls were about 13, 14 years old. You go, why 13, 14? Well, because that's when they could actually bear children. And then the men at 18, because this is when they can actually provide for their families. So in this culture, that's what existed. And Joseph found out that his precious young bride-to-be was with someone else. He knew he was innocent. And so he goes to divorce her quietly. And here's what the scriptures say in verse 20. But after he had considered this, that divorce quietly piece... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, pause. Um, I know many of us ask for, you know, hey, I wish an angel can come up to me and tell me. Um, But but listen to me. When your fiancé, who claims she's a virgin, 
says that she's pregnant, that might necessitate an angel. <laughs> you moving from working from this factory to that factory, you don't need an angel for that kind of uh, decision making, right? This is crucial in the life of redemptive history. An angel shows up. This is a big deal. Joseph is going to act righteously towards Mary, even though he feels that she's been dishonorable towards him. He's a good man. He's going to act righteously, but it's the wrong thing to do. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is key. I want you to know that God has salvation in store and in plan long before you and I was born, long before there were any people on this earth. God knows all things at all times. This is so important because this wasn't a surprise thing. This was in the mind of God from eternity past. Now that's key because God is not only going to bring salvation, but he's going to be with them the whole time. He's going to be with Mary and Joseph the whole time. That is the key message for today. The key message for today is that God not only saves, he stays. Listen to me. God not only conceives Jesus in Mary's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. But and then he stays, and God communicates this to Mary and Joseph. Well, he communicates it to Joseph. Eventually, he would tell Mary. He communicates it to Joseph through this angel, and he does it through the two names that he wants Joseph to call Jesus. It's very powerful. Look at this. He goes, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, somebody say name, name, name Jesus. Now, listen, when you and I think of a child and what to give them, how to name them, in our culture, it's, you know, you might name them, like if, if you're a Puerto Rican guy like me and he's your firstborn, you're going to name him your, your name, right? That's as profound as it goes, Right? Um, uh, maybe you might name them after an aunt or an uncle, you know, her or him after an aunt or an uncle because you want to honor them. That was not the way they named children in this culture. When they named children at this culture, they were talking about what they would expect from that child in the future. The name was supposed to be indicative of their character and their accomplishments, if you want to see that through, I mean, we see this everywhere in the scriptures, but I'll give you two prominent examples. One is Abram. Abram was uh, the father, he became the father of many who believe. Abram was married to Sarah, and he would then become Abraham. Abram's name, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Why? Because Abram means father of many. Abraham means father of many nations. God was trying to get across a big idea that more than one nation is going to come out of Abraham. And boy, you don't have to look too far. The three of the world's greatest religions, uh, greatest meaning largest religions, um, 
uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, they all come from Abraham. God changed his name to match his destiny. He changed his name to match his, what he would accomplish. He changed his name to match his character and condition and what he would do in life. He didn't just stop there. There's another young man, uh, a descendant of Abraham, uh, Abraham. His name was Jacob. Jacob was a uh, trickster. He was a liar. He was a schemer. It's what Jacob means. Could you imagine... Could you imagine if somebody like you, right, like, you know, oh, here's my baby girl. What's her name? Snotty. <laughs> really? You know, oh, here's my, here's my uh, teenage son. What's his name? Attitude. <laughs> Could you imagine? Named him Jacob, which means trickster or liar. And so, yeah, not a, not a real good name. And so God would wrestle with Jacob and change his name change his name to Israel, he would be the father of this beautiful nation that the Messiah would then come from. Names matter. And God was pointing at what Jesus would do. And so he said, I want you to name him, this one who is conceived in Mary's womb, one conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, one who would have no sin to speak of. I want you to name him Jesus. Well, why is Jesus, why is that so significant? Because of what Jesus means. Listen, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You see, God saves. He saves. Now, this is very, very key for me and you because many of us, look, can we talk? Many of us have had the same argument with our spouse for the last 20 years. It's the same argument. And you think this is the way it's always going to be. And you're ready to throw in the towel. Because it's always Jesus saves. You need to know Jesus saves from even prideful spouses. From mean-spirited husbands. From nagging wives. Jesus saves. You know, there are some of you who are single, and you think to yourself, I can't be single. I don't want to grow old by myself. I don't want to. Jesus saves from loneliness. You don't believe that. That's why you try to do your own plan. And I'm trying to tell you, Jesus saves. Some of you are under so much stress that you'll eat until you throw up. Because that somehow gives you pleasure and somehow relieves you of stress. I want you to know Jesus saves. Some of you, some of you spend more money than you presently have to dress up the outside because the inside is so ugly to you. I want you to know Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Some of you have been dipping and dabbing in alcoholism or or marijuana or, or other drugs. And, and listen to me, listen to me. I want you to know, nobody else knows. But Jesus saves. Jesus saves. 
The reason his name is Jesus because that will be his character. That will be his destiny. This is what he will do. You're looking for a savior that is not Jesus and you will only find yourself disappointed and heartbroken. Believe me, I'm not just talking to you. I know what it's like to go back to something that's supposed to make you feel better than you presently do now and make you feel worse in the end, thinking that it'll give you the payoff and it winds up robbing you of any lasting joy, bringing about deep depression. You know what? Jesus saves. Money doesn't save. Jesus saves. Marriage doesn't save. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That's why his name is Jesus. Because he saves. But Jesus doesn't, his name doesn't, doesn't just show that he saves. It shows something else. All this took place. Now, verses 22 and 23 are very interesting to me. Because when you see uh, in verses um, uh, 18 through 19, you see... A narr- you can almost hear a narrator's voice. If we were watching a movie, we would, we would be uh, listening to a narrator's voice describing the scene. If you were in the Broadway musical Hamilton, this would be Burr speaking, Aaron Burr speaking. But verses 20 through 21 is Joseph's experience. And then the narrator comes back in verse 22, and he says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you see? There's another name. There's another name. Now, the passage that Matthew picks out is a passage of a prophecy giving like 700 years before Christ was born. This could not be manipulated. This predates Christ by a lot. And it's not like, you know, those of you who go, oh, yeah, you know, with Jesus, what happened was is that he just looked at the prophecies of the Old Testament and tried to fulfill them. And that's why there's the connection there. The reason that there's a connection is because Jesus tried to fulfill them. Well, here's one that he could not fulfill. Because obviously he wasn't born. That the virgin, right? That's, that's not one he could plan out. Oh, you guys will wake up in a minute. Get it? He wasn't born yet. He wasn't born. He's... All right. All right. All right. All this took place. Listen, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him. They will name him. He'll have a name because his name will speak of his destiny. His name will speak of his character. His name will speak about what he will accomplish in the future. His name. They will call him Emmanuel. Why? Why? What does that mean? Which means God with us. Jesus' character would not be just to save. Jesus is not like triple A. You know, AAA, right, your car breaks down, and AAA comes by, and he goes, hey, what's the problem? Ah, I forgot to put gas in the car. Ah, the battery died, whatever. And he comes, and he gives you, oh, got a flat tire. He changes your tire, and he goes, okay, see ya, and he leaves. Jesus is more, Jesus is not just one who saves. Jesus stays. 
Jesus is more like your brother or sister who wakes up in the middle of the night, who drives over and helps you fix your car and then drives behind you to make sure you get all the way home. Jesus not just saves, he stays. He's called God with us. Now, this is really, really important. This is important because some of us are going through things that are not just for a moment. They're not just for a second in time. Some of us are in moments of life that are very, very painful. And it's not for a minute, and it's not for a week, and it's not for a year. It's for a long time. And you think, how long, oh Lord? How long will you allow this? And Jesus is with you and for you. And he's staying with you all the way through. You go, but you know I don't feel that. That's because you believe wrongly. You believe wrongly. You think that God is only with you determined on how good you are. God is not with you uh, on the basis of how good you are. God is with you on the basis of how good Jesus is. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Jesus accomplished your righteousness on the cross. Jesus overcame sin and death and therefore overcame all enemies of man. Jesus also will be with us. He will be for us. And what that means is that you can endure. You can, you can go through the difficult time. Are the knees giving out? You can endure. Why? Because Jesus will be with you, even in the dark moments when your knees feel. And they're painful, but he's with you. I was just this, um, this week I was visiting someone in the hospital. And I've discovered, I'm telling you, I've done this a lot. I've discovered that it doesn't matter what you say when you go to the hospital. It doesn't matter if you have really, you know, like I, you know, I've done this a little bit, so I have some scriptures that I'll read. I have some thoughts that I'll share. I'll have some encouragement to give. But I promise you, the most powerful thing when you're in a hospital, the most powerful thing is someone just being there. God knows this. God knows this, that sometimes we just need somebody to be there with us. And so you're... You're there, and you're accused, and you go, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. I have to walk into this meeting with three bosses because of that person's lies. I'm so scared. And God whispers into your ear, Emmanuel, I'm with you. You're not alone in that meeting. Let me tell you something. You plus God is a majority. You got all the power that you need when God is with you. You you walk into the doctor's office, and it's not just one doctor. It's four or five doctors, and they're talking about what the surgery is going to look like, what aftercare is going to look like, what are the potential pitfalls for you or your loved one, and you're sitting, and your head is spinning, and you go, God, God, this is so bad. They're saying things that this is so, this is not going to end well, it seems. And God goes, he whispers in your ear, Emmanuel, I'm with you. I'm with you. In your pain and in your suffering, 
God doesn't just save. He stays. He walks with you. I know. I know. I know because, because I've seen people whose children have gone far from God. Let me tell you that hardly anything more painful, hardly anything more painful than your child running amok. And I've seen God sustain, not just because he saves, but because he stays. And I've seen people who have used heroin for decades. And on the 73rd day that they've been clean, they want to go back. And instead, they sense God's presence. God maybe directs them to a, to a brother in Christ, to a scripture, to a meeting that's appropriate for their addiction. And they go, I feel all alone, but I'm not alone. I feel, I feel real vulnerable, but somebody's got my back. Because, listen, God whispers in moments like that, Emmanuel, God is with us. What we learn is that God not only saves, he stays. And sometimes the way God saves is just by staying. In other words, the circumstances don't change. You single, you single at 25, you single at 35, you single at 45, you single at 55, you single at 65, and God stayed the whole time. And God encouraged, and God nurtured, and God loved. And, and your dream that you gave yourself to, and you tried, and you tried to start the business, you tried to work on the, the, the ministry, you tried to do the thing, and, and you go, and it just didn't seem to go as well as you had hoped, as well as you had wished. And God, in his providence, doesn't fix anything, but he stays. He stays. And he's with you during the difficult time. The depression starts to come over you. And you feel the dark cloud over your head. And, and God is with you. And you go, God, can you just help me get out of this bed? I don't think I can get out of this bed. And God goes, I'm with you. Let's, let's put one leg over the side of the bed. Ten minutes later, let's put another leg off the side of the bed. 15 minutes later, let's just sit up. And it takes time, but he never leaves. He never loses patience. He's never unkind. He's always present, always powerful, always with you. And if you lose sight of that, you'll fall into despair. Now listen, if you're a proud person, this should humble you. It should humble you because you need God to babysit you every minute of every day. That's how good you are if you're proud. And if you're low in heart, you should be excited because God wants to be with you every moment of every day and will never leave nor forsake. You see, God saves and God stays. Pokemon will come and go. Exciting things of life they're here today, gone tomorrow. But not our God 
Not our God, whose name is Jesus and Emmanuel. Now that is someone worth leaving your car running for.